This is the In Business Podcast with me, Cass McCrory. Together, we'll listen in and learn from people in business, from solo entrepreneurs to leaders within large enterprises and the span in between. We're going to learn about their approach to the work, to creating fulfilling lives, and defining success for oneself. Perspectives and opinions reflect those of the guest and Cass McCrory, respectively. Show notes and references can be found at inbusinesspod.com. Your reviews are appreciated. And frankly, I celebrate each one. Friends, today we're talking to Ify Beckway. She is the principal attorney at a Beckway law firm, a mom, a wife, a woman turning 40. I love this conversation. We chatted a lot about kind of making our own path, deciding what we want, the compromises that we felt like we needed to make and and taking a moment to question what we believe to be true, to make something potentially that we'll love even more. I truly love this conversation. I know you will too. Let's get into it. What a iffy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited to chat with you today. We'll start off where we always do. Tell us a little bit about who you are and the work you do in the world. Yes. So I am a woman, a mom, a wife, and a lawyer, and I own my own business. I'm an entrepreneur who happens to practice law. And if you ask me what I do in the world, (laughs) you know, that's such a good question because I could just be like, well, I do blah, blah, blah as a career, but I want to experience it fully, if that makes sense. I want to take it in with every sense that I have, I'm turning 40 next month and I want to live fully in the world. I think that's a driving motivator for me. What does that mean to you? I'm still working that out, but I think a lot of it means that I'm giving myself a way more permission and I don't need as much buy-in as I thought I did. In fact, I don't need any buy-in, but I'm still working towards I don't need any buy-in. And so I don't know how to express that more fully because I'm still a work in progress. But one example that came up today, I'm in a group, a mastermind group with other lawyers and our coach challenged us to set a budget to spend on ourselves for the next year, for fiscal year 2022. She says you could do things like pre-plan and prepay four trips that are at least four days away by yourself to somewhere where you want to go. It could be Paris. It could be a staycation, but plan it and book it. And I was just like, oh, that is, that's too much. And and she made the, the analogy. Think about all the things you're overspending on because you feel like you're not fully giving yourself permission to do things. So that might be food, eating out, shopping and add those things up and see what would it feel like if you just prioritize yourself at least quarterly with a trip? How would that change how you interact with your spouse and your employees and your coworkers? And I was just like, it was just so much permission. It was too overwhelming for me. And I was like, well, I got to get my husband to buy in and I got to get like, what will my in-laws think if I'm leaving by the holidays to go somewhere for my 40th birthday next month out of the country? What kind of mother ends all this buy-in and what it does is it, it really just limits your ability to live. And so that's what I'm working on. I feel like that is one of the gifts of 40. 
I turned 40 in August of 2020. Mm -hmm. So it was mid COVID. And I remember just having this energy of, you know what? I do what I want. Mm. And really feeling like be damned with anybody or anything that's going to get in the way of me not living the fullest expression of my life. Like I do what I want. That is such a boss thing. It's frightening. Yeah. And freeing. Yes. Yes. Especially when, and I, I imagine that you are like me in this way and that we, we did what we thought we had to do Mm -hmm. and we followed the rules and we did the right things at the right time. And to be like, oh yeah, that playbook that you are working off of, somebody completely made that shit up. Yeah. And you get to do it your own way. That is, that is a scary kind of liberation. Life-changing. I mean, I, I mean, you bring up so much when you say that, and I do think it has something to do with becoming 40. You know, I've opted out of things that I felt obligated to do for the longest time, like holidays, I'm out, you know, or (laughs) making it to birthday parties, even for friends, I'm out. I just, I don't have the bandwidth. And I think I've slowly been sloughing away skin that is just dead and it's exhausting. And I have four kids. So it's also doubly exhausting to go places with them and, and be in a car with them. And it, it might be more restful for us to just stay here, right? And go at an off time or in another time. And so just really thinking through all of the ways that I'm saying no to my mom, <laughs> I'm saying no to my in-laws. And I'm like, Larry, I'm not coming for Thanksgiving. We're just not. We're going to have it here. Anyone is welcome to come here. It takes a lot to move this whole ship and to go somewhere and figure out where we're all going to sleep because there's so many of us. And so those little things, I just thought, we live so far away from everyone. We're not doing it. And so I'm very excited that I will be exercising the permission and not wanting buy-in and really saying, in order for me to be my fullest expression of myself and not think of it as selfishness, more like an investment in everything, like my business, my family, my, my marriage, my relationships, my sense of being me. I think I have to invest more in this next decade. Ooh. And I but love- it sounds, it's, I'm hearing it, but it also sounds like oh, that is so part of everyone's so self-centered and selfish. And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> just saying like, I've come to this realization. That's what it is. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those realizations that you have and, and you always have this choice in this moment to say, do you mean it? Are you going to back this thinking up with your action? And it's challenging. Yeah. And to do it is such a gift. And, and I love how you framed it as an investment not mm-hmm. just in yourself, but what becomes possible for everybody that's in your ecosystem. Yes. Both personal and friends and family and work and all of these different places where we wear hats. What becomes possible for all of them when you, with you fully nourished? You know, I, I really, I mean, I know that's not rhetorical and probably is a little rhetorical, but I really don't know. I've never done it. Yes. I feel that iffy. I feel that. What is possible if we fully live like ourselves? Like, 
it's so luxurious to me to just yeah. rent an Airbnb in my little town and go away for two nights. Seems, I mean, otherworldly, unfathomable, yeah. right? And and I used to I used to have like these sorts of excuses. For example, I'm going to a conference in Atlanta. And I thought, well, I'm going to a conference in Atlanta, right? But it's get in, talk at you all day, right? Dinners and networking and all that stuff. It's not like I'm going to Atlanta to hang out and see friends and have a girl's weekend. I'm going to work. And I'm still thinking, well, I did just get to go to Atlanta. Like getting on a plane Mm -hmm. is some way and sleeping away from home for three nights is some way my reward. And it has nothing to do with a break. It's just, it's just, I'm away, but I'm not even counting things like that in the future. That does not count. That's for work. So I'm I'm so interested to find out more about what that means. You know, one of the things that I don't know if you feel this way, um, when it comes to the permission part, it's, I can do it. Um, I can find ways to pay for it, but I still get I still get caught up in, don't I need buy-in from everybody before I can do it? Like my kids and my husband and what's it going to mean for them for me to be away? And I'm like, they'll be fine. (laughs) They will be fine. And I think they will be fine. But I completely relate to this feeling of, yes, but will I be okay with them not needing me? Yeah in that window. And I, I so relate to that. It's funny. Or not wanting to take them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not invited. None of you. (laughs) Yeah. Selfish. It is. And I think reframing it from selfish to self nurturing. Yes. Is so important there. And I am like, right in there. I am not writing with Sharpie here. If I am in there with the pencil dirty from all of the eraser marks on my own paper on this. Yeah. I, I had a similar situation come up just yesterday. I got invited to go speak in an event at the end of November and I have to speak on Tuesday in order to be sure that I could get there for the event. I have to leave on Monday mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I could potentially take the red eye back so I can be home. I thought the same thing. It's 6 a.m. Uh, the next morning, I could potentially do that. And then I was like, wait a minute, who am I doing that for? Mm-hmm. Because what version of me comes back and gets off a plane at 6 a.m. and functions? Not a very right. good one. And I, I wanted to cheat myself even out of that opportunity to nurture. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, where did I learn that? Everywhere. <laughs> You yes. learn that everywhere. <laughs> Look at your, I mean, I don't want to presume, but your mother, oh, her totally. mother, yeah. your dad, you, mom. you're listening TV. and I know it. And, but you taught me this. Yeah. Shows, books everywhere. We learn that everywhere, everywhere we learn that. And we also learn that if it's the opposite of that, it is again, selfish. It's self-centered. It's vain. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's proud. It's not humble right? It's self-serving. And yet you see people who have run themselves into early graves, highly Mm -hmm. medicated, very anxious, depressed, 
all sorts of things because we refuse to just, just take a breath. Stop. Yeah. You know, I've been really toying with this whole concept of embracing ease. I have this easy button on my desk and I recorded all of these messages about ease. And it's for me, it's been very interesting because the idea of embracing ease means that if I take things off my plate, I'm not putting anything back on it. Yeah. And it's like, but I have room now. What am I going to do with all that time? Right. Same thing with as a businesswoman raising my rates, charging for consultations. Now I don't have as many tire kickers. Now I can really do the do less work and make more money. Right. Pay my employees better, more consistently. They're not run down because they're overly scheduling all these people. Right. And dare I say it gets a little bit easier And then you're thinking, well, I should add on something else. And it's like, no. What if we cultivate more ease in our homes and in our work life and in our friendships where it's not just scheduled to the hilt and you look at your calendar, it's just a solid block. You don't even build in breaks to go to the bathroom, things like that. Everything is just back to back to back to back. What if we take off a whole day and not even work? What if we take off two days and not even work and have breaks built in and we only consolidate our work to very distilled focused time? You know, it can get really, really granular. But what if, right? Yeah. What if we gave our permission to to totally revolutionize things and say, this is when I work. This is all I can do for work this week. Anything else is extra for next week. Not, oh, I finished early. Let me do more. But, oh, I finished early. Let me go outside and sit in my yard and enjoy the sunshine. I mean, depending on where you are, right? And so we have to unlearn so many horrible patterns that we've seen in our media, in our homes, in our friendships, just generationally. It's just how we're we're raised to be martyrs, especially as women. Of course, as women martyrdom is the is the standard and that has to that has to change but with intention I think and I'm still I still struggle with that I don't know what that means exactly yeah I love this conversation and it's it's bringing so much to the surface in terms of advocating for the ease that we want Mm -hmm. and then treating that ease when we get it as this sacred gift. Oh, for sure. And not giving it back and being like, no, I'm good. I feel like the phrase, no, I'm good. Is my, it is my new red flashing sign that I am not asking for what I want and need. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, somebody's like, can I refill your water? I don't want them to, I don't want them to be troubled by refilling my water. So I say, no, I'm good. Why oh, no, please that? don't, please don't, please don't extend your arm and fill my cup Yeah, as you're here over my shoulder. Yeah. It's weird. Do you have Putting people out? I have three daughters. Yeah. I, I have four children as well. And I have two daughters and I think it's been really interesting for me as, as I'm doing a better job modeling this taking responsibility for yourself, prioritizing yourself, 
you know, doing, doing my work and seeing my daughters pick up on that and then feeling my annoyance with them when they don't comply. Mm -hmm. It is like equal parts. There is such a rub in there for me of like pride and annoyance. Yeah. Is it because you're raising them like you weren't raised? Yeah. It's tough, right? Because it's a dichotomy where you're like, you cannot. And then you're like, yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like if they fuck authority or don't want to hug someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, good. You know, and then I'm like, oh, but you're supposed to. But I feel but really I can't. uncomfortable right now that you don't want to hug these people. They really want to hug you. Their expectation they really, is that you're going to hug them. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, bad vibes. Don't want it. Not a toucher. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you're like, that's right. Stand in. Or if yeah, people, be my in your daughter, here, babe. Yeah. Yes. I got a four year old. She's an introvert. She's super cute. I, I also have a one year old like this. Really like cute little pack. You know, they're so cute at that age. Yes. They don't want to please you. They are not the type to like song and dance. So you get a smile or play peekaboo with a stranger. They're just like side-eyeing, rolling eyes, like hiding, like, oh, weirdo. And then you see people react in this way where you're like, you think you're supposed to be like, go on, say hi. And I'm like, oh, she's not into that. She's not that yeah. kind of kid. She's not going to smile and play peekaboo with a stranger. She just automatically respects her own boundaries and does not want to interact with you because you don't, you know, deserve her time. I don't know what's going on in her head, but she's not comfortable. <laughs> right. And it's everywhere. And it's sometimes with relatives. And you're just like, I'm so sorry. They're not mean kids. She's just like, mm. whereas if I were a kid, they'd be like, go say hi to blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah. didn't you hear that person talking to you at the grocery, right? You need to speak when an adult speaks to you or all these terrible messages actually. But nonetheless, they're in me where I'm like, oh my gosh, if someone speaks to you, you should reply back and you should be like, if you know, you're supposed to do all these things, I'm not teaching them that anymore. Or <laughs> I hope my mom never hears this. She's always like, <laughs> sit like a lady, you know? sit like a lady to the girls. And I'm just like, well, she didn't say that to my son when he was legs akimbo at the, you know, taking, flipping around on the floor in the living room. I mean, it's not like we're out in public and and you're pulling your underwear down. She's just being a kid. And I'm like, well, we don't have any ladies in this house. You know, what are we like the English nobility? Who's a lady here? Where is this coming from? And so just little things like that. It's like, I want you not to have your legs in the air like that, but I also didn't shame your brother when he did. And so I have to be yeah. like, oh, such a hypocrite. Cause I never even think that for him, you know, Yeah. but you're three, your legs should be in the air. It's fine. Exactly. I think there is so much of this, especially with daughters. I think, you know, I, I had an objectivity with my boys where it's like almost a little like how I show up is what they're going to be looking for potentially, you know, I'm going to scrap all of this. Cause I don't even know. Have you been running into this in your own life? If you were like, you start talking about something and you're like, oh shit, that might not be true for me anymore. I think part of being introspective is really questioning where a lot of this comes from. And if it's true, 
or yeah. it's just something that you've taken as fact. And it's in the law, we say it's facts, not in evidence, right? Yeah. It's just you, it's, it's something, it's, it's something you've heard, maybe even hearsay, like that's the way or tradition says. And then so much of that has been imprinted on your brain that you start saying things and you, you just say, huh, I don't even believe that. Or I don't know why I said that. And I don't know where that's coming from. And so that introspective piece is when you do the deep dives and you're thinking, I used to say that all the time, but I actually like, I don't believe that. So why am I saying it? And I'm going to stop saying that because I don't know where that's coming from, but I don't like how it makes me feel like all this stuff that we put on our kids. You know, I've even heard people say things like, oh, you just need to, my family's originally from Nigeria, just put your head down and be the best. And then you don't have to worry about all the ills of the world because people are going to see you have straight A's or that you're in GT and that's all you need to do. And it's, I wish, right? right? I wish you could just be a stellar scholar and that you wouldn't be exposed to things like racism and sexism and misogyny and, and favoritism and all the things that happen just because we live in the world, because you're just an excellent student. Right. Oh, sign me up. Let's get yeah. everybody into, into AP everything. And so it's just one of those things you have to start saying like, well, that doesn't work. And that's not going to be what it is for me. And I'm not going to put that on my kids. That's the hard part. Cause we don't know if it's going to work. They're going to be on their podcasts in the next 30 years saying, oh, our moms and dads oh, raised us to be, oh, you're so amazing. And look what it's gotten us. Nothing. Yeah no discipline, no boundaries, you know, <laughs> too many boundaries. Now I'm a cold cutoff person, right? It's like We're going to yeah. get it too, because we don't know. But I do think that, I mean, as a child of the eighties, like you, there was a level of hands-offness that I feel, I'm not convinced that my parents were sitting and mulling about these things. Not that they were neglectful or anything, but I think that the level of investment we put into our children outside of you know basic needs but really like how are they feeling and you know I don't think my parents did that no they didn't I think here is the difference I think when I came home from school somebody said how was your day and I would answer in one word and then we'd move on yeah now my kids home, come home from school and on the back of their take-home folder are 30 different ways that I can ask them how their day was so that they'll yes. be more engaging with me. Yes. And- there is a woman on Instagram who has these role plays for what to ask instead of how was, your, how was school today? And it's like, I bet you played on the soccer field today. And you're supposed to do all these games just to get them to say, no, in fact, I was on the monkey bars and it was fun. And then Jimmy hit me. It's like my parents never, never No, And I, I don't know. And I do it. I'm not going to lie. I do. I do do it. I do do ask them because I feel like I, I feel like I need to know better and it works. Yes. And I do feel like I'm, I'm, I'm asking more probing questions. I think I'm more at least I have the perception that I am involved in their life. Hey there, this is Cass just hopping in. 
because we had a break in our conversation, as goes with, you know, pandemic times. I don't even remember whose child it was that came in the room, but it disrupted our frame of conversation. And we got into a little bit more about kind of how our life has shifted, how our parenting is different than our own parents because of the pandemic. And it was such an interesting, rich conversation as I was editing this episode that I had to leave it in, but I needed to give you, the listener, a little context as to why we just jumped from one place to the next in just a couple of seconds. So we're going to get back into the show and just, that's your way of background. When we were little kids, I would go and play at a friend's house. And if I got sick, I got a cold, I got whatever, strep throat, chicken pox, all of the hand, foot and mouth, all of the things that we used mm-hmm. to get, right? That was just the way things went. Now I have to take a level of ownership. Yeah. That is, I don't know if it's altogether very good or healthy for anybody. I think it's interesting in the context of a literal plague. I was telling my husband, I said, we are literally experiencing a plague. (laughs) Like, I think all bets are off. It's different than a common cold with no fever. It's like, oh, go get your immunity, right? But you're right. I think it goes back to just the the change. Well, first of all, I think that there is such a in the thought, everything is divided right now, right? Everyone has to take their side. So there are people who might think, I'm personally responsible to make sure that I do everything in my power to limit this to my home, to my exposure. They take the precautionary, they inform, they stay home, they mask up or whatever it is to keep that. There's always been those people. They're always like, oh, you got a runny nose, no fever. It doesn't matter, you're staying home right? I'm going to let them know this is what your symptoms are just in case anybody else in school gets it, right? And then there are people who are like, give them a Tylenol. Let's wash your face, you know, blow your nose and, you know, go to school. Yeah. Right. And hopefully it won't spike so they don't send you home and I can go about my day. I do think that that has always existed. But I think that when you are literally in a pandemic, that kind of duality is like, it's life-threatening. It is. And I also think like to the families that had a positive COVID test and didn't report it, what was involved in their not reporting it? Like how much shame did they feel? Well, it's a stigma now. It is. It's a whole thing. And it's like, so what did you do? And it's like, I have no idea what I did. I went to the grocery store. I don't, I don't know what I did. Or it's weird too. When you think about it, I dropped off, we dropped off one of the kids. Yeah. Because her class is still open and the school is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. We did not even get to go in the school. They are still masked up. So when you find places where people are still I'm following all the stereotypes here, but like following protocols and really trying to do their best in a terrible situation, then I'm thinking, well, what should we be going anywhere? And right. you find out at 9 p.m. So do do we go home? What is the protocol? 
because technically she's home, but how is that helping our home? And if something happened in our home, how's that? Because it's like in the morning, we get an email, class is, is over for two weeks. Does that mean that everybody in the house needs to be home for two weeks? It's so unclear and so confusing. And I, I love protocol. I want to know what am I supposed to do? Is this the right thing to do? Right. Yeah. And how do you function and make money? I know that's the capitalist coming out of me when you're an entrepreneur. How do you feed your family if this is the expected protocol, which I think is why we don't have one? Yeah. I feel like it has to be in everybody's best judgment, knowing what they've got going on. There are points in my own life where that would have devastated me Mm -hmm. and crippled my ability to make a living, threatened my ability to pay the mortgage. Like I feel very grateful that that's no longer the position that I've got to worry about my inconvenience Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, kind of Maslow's law of basic needs. Like it wasn't threatening any of that, but it's still incredibly disruptive. And I have to hold space that not everybody is, is privileged to have that. I mean, I feel like, yes. And I said entrepreneur, but it's any working person. I remember when I had my third child and I was working at a, at a nonprofit and I had no leave because I just had a third child and gotten back to work. And then they got um, RSV. Right. And you can't do anything like you can't be out. I can't take her to daycare. And I have no leave. And, and I know that I've been gone and, and, and it wasn't like a pandemic, but it's like the anxiety of being like, I am not making this up. Right. I want to be able to move on without disruption, but these are my circumstances. And I think a lot of people are facing that. I always thought it was very interesting during the pandemic when you realize who was still working. Everyone's ordering, right? So the delivery people, people working in supply chains, Uber Eats, Postmates, people delivering food certainly didn't stop, grocery workers. Of course, the essential workers at the hospitals and, you know, fire department, police, they didn't stop. And so there is such a class privilege to it as well, where how fortunate that you can work from home. I'm in my office right now. Yeah. Working from upstairs in the guest bedroom because that's where I set up shop because I can. I don't have to go in. I live in Arkansas. My business is based in Texas and Arkansas, but all my employees are in Texas. I can afford to live here. I have the privilege of living here, running my business from here going back quarterly or so to say hi to the team, right? And, and having meetings virtually, which has been wonderful. But that is a privilege because there are times when I had to go into an office and be at that phone answering calls or doing whatever that job required so I could be in in-person meetings, right? And it's just very interesting, this whole <laughs> season of life. And, you know, you hear about the great resignation, people, yeah. the, the tax on women when your kids are home and when you're the new teacher and when you're the new everything and you're still trying to work and how many women have voluntarily or involuntarily left the workforce yeah right because it's just unsustainable to do all those things and you know all these factors come into I don't have a simple answer and I really I remember one thing 
that came out with the mom groups I'm in for lawyers, it was like, stay at home and homeschool, you're doing a great job. Send your kids back to school, you're doing a great job. You know, and it was like hybrid virtual school, great. Great job, yeah. Because we don't have direction, right? Yeah. And they were changing all the time, and they still are, so. I always look at situations like this and I think to myself, this is a Google map situation. I have where I am. I know where I'm trying to go. There is never only one way to get there. Mm -hmm. And I am willing to hold space that there is a shorter way and a longer way, a more scenic way. There are better ways. And my choice is to do the way that is going to bring me the most joy. Whatever way. It might be the most complicated. It might take me twice as long, but if I am joyful in doing it, I will be grateful that I made that choice. And looking at all of these various things that we've talked about in this, I love this conversation. If I really have looking at all of these different things and saying, okay, how do I intentionally want to choose to live this life? Mm -hmm. What is going to feel most aligning to me is my objective ease is my objective joy. Like where Mm -hmm. does it fall and how can I make my choice? Not with other people's permission, but with my, with my joy and for the people that I'm responsible for, how do I model the best version? Mm -hmm. Hard work. It is worthy work. Yeah. And I think it, it has to, it has to be aligned to what your values are. If you value community, you do things that are community minded. If you value joy, you do things that bring you that. And, and everyone is different. I think from what you just said, because I've lived in other countries where there is, it's, it's a value-based decision, right? But um, just listening to what you said makes me realize you cannot control other people and how they choose to live their lives. And I think that that has been very freeing for me in this season, just like I don't want to be controlled and, and forced to do anything. I think that I have to extend that same level of grace to other people too. I have to, even if I vehemently disagree, right. They're making that choice too. We all have free will, at least here. Yeah. Mostly. (laughs) And what a, and what a good thing it is to have that. Yes. Not everywhere. Do you have that? Yeah. Effie, I don't, I don't know what you came here to talk about today, but I don't we, know what we just, hit the mark. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I hope people find value in that. And, you know, it was, it just felt like a phone conversation with an, it an did. old I girlfriend. Loved it. And I think yeah. people will love it too. I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I think it is coming at just the right time. I've got a lightning round of questions, but before I ask them, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at ifyebekwe, E-S-Q. That's my personal Instagram page. I also have a law firm page, Ibekwe Law, P-L-L-C. My website, for those of you who might be interested in estate planning services, is ibekwelaw.com. And then I have a personal website, ifyebekwe.com. If you are ever looking for a speaker or you're an entrepreneur who needs guidance, I do a little bit of coaching too. And anywhere you Google me, I really do. I say that now because I really do come up in the Googler. So that's Google awesome. me and it'll, you'll find me somewhere saying awesome. something on somebody's podcast. <laughs> oh. Ify, what's your go-to song when you want to up your energy? 
Oh my gosh. Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. I, I still get, I, that song is basically ageless in my mind. It is I so mean, good. If just get up and dance, you know? So I love that one. And then Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody. Please. I think I just have a, a niche that early nineties sound, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love that. What time do you wake up? I usually wake up around six 30. What does breakfast look like? Breakfast is pretty uniform. It looks like English muffin or gluten-free bread. Clearly I'm not, you know, strict on that. Smoked salmon and egg and coffee and some blueberries. It's mm-hmm. almost always that. Yum. Do you have a favorite ritual? Yes. I love my new ritual, which is my end of day ritual, because I realized I was listening to Ariana Huffington talk about how she worked, 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 worked for the Huff Post and fell and, and broke her cheek. And she was at this conference I attended and she said, how many of you have an end of day work ritual? When is the end of your work day? Especially as entrepreneurs, right? Lawyers. It was all lawyers. And I thought, oh, I don't. And so now I have a whole ritual of preparing for the next workday and making notes, my priorities for the list for the week in a list of just two priorities. And then everything else can just be pushed on or is considered extra, but not to become the norm. And then I literally close my laptop and walk out the door and close it behind me. And I'm done till the next time. I love it's that. my new favorite ritual. It's so good. It's nice to close the door on it and have closure on your professional contribution. Yeah. When it's always left open, there's something symbolic about having that as a ritual. I love that. Yes. What is a book you've given or recommended the most? Oof. Book I've given or recommended the most. Well, I'm going to give one that I recently have been giving out. It's called We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. I was in her membership for a year. And it was such an inspiring read. I don't think we should all be millionaires. I think for those who aspire to be, we should be. But I don't think everyone should be a millionaire anymore. But I do think we should be able to have a living wage and and have extra to do and experience life fuller. And money is often the muscle that allows you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I've loved this conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Cass. 